Living Hope. This is Pastor Jeff, and I just wanted to let you know uh, we had a bit of a technical error this week in recording the podcast, and so only the last half of the sermon was actually captured. Um, but I wanted to share it with you because it, it was a, a really great um, Sunday. We, we this incredible interview with uh, uh, Martine and a little surprise at the end that you'll get to hear. Uh, but the scripture that we used was Luke chapter. Uh, 19 verses 1 through 10, the story of uh, Jesus uh, meeting Zacchaeus, the tax collector. So that's context of what you're getting ready to hear. And uh, just the whole sermon is about um, uh, reaching the lost and our responsibility to do that. And I, I had made a big deal about the fact that as a church, we are not about, um, our mission is not to go out and steal sheep from other churches or compete with other churches or anything that we're out, all about trying to reach people that no one else is reaching. And, uh, and so we talk about that a little bit. Anyway, hope you enjoy this. Sorry for the technical issues, uh, but you should have been there anyway if you, if you missed it. Uh, but regardless, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks. Jesus, the greatest teacher that they had known in centuries, singles him out and says, I want to be a part of your house today. And Zacchaeus' response is, I'm giving half of everything I have to the poor. And if I've cheated any of these people out of money, I'm paying it back four times. Like immediate life. Today, salvation has come to this house. Since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came. Of man, it was, he's referencing back to an Old Testament prophecy where the Messiah, the coming Messiah, was referred to as the son of man. And Jesus is basically saying, that's who I am. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been waiting for. And I've come not to seek and save all of you who got your lives all together and you don't think you need anything or anybody, I've come to seek and to save the lost, those who are truly far from me, those who are truly distant from me. That's who I've come for. But Jesus looks at Zacchaeus. This is a really interesting point. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus has just been walking one direction, turned around and said, now I'm walking this direction. I was a cheat and a crook, I'm turning around. I'm an honest man now. I'm, I'm going to take care of people instead of, instead of getting rich off of them. Jesus sees the change that's come into Zacchaeus' life, and he pronounces salvation. He says, yeah, salvation is here. Salvation has come to this house. You see, it, for us to start a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's not just about you saying some sort of magic prayer and asking God to forgive you. When we talk about repentance, repentance is not saying, change. And Jesus sees change, and he knows Zacchaeus means business. He knows it. But Jesus, I want to I focus just a little bit on that, the fact that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And I just wonder, like, are we about that? Like, Jesus was known as a friend to sinners. A friend to sinners. That's why he was called. Jesus is a friend to sinners. Now, some people meant that as some sort of dig at Jesus, other people were just astonished, and they, they were really attracted to this religious figure who was not necessarily spending all his time with religious people. Said he's a friend to sinners. He's, he's, he's hanging out with tax collectors and prostitutes and drunkards and all kinds of different people. He's a friend to sinners. And I just want to like, ask you, ask yourself this morning, like, who are you a friend to? I'm going to drop a couple theological terms on you real fast. And it's this, that our Christology should be shaping our ecclesiology. Okay, those are two big 
the theological words. Christology, meaning the way that we view the Christ. Ecclesiology, meaning the way that we view church. The way that what we see in the life of Christ should be shaping the way that we do church. Let me bring it down even further. The way what Jesus did in his life should shape what you do in your life. What Jesus did in his life should shape and direct the way that you lead your life. So if Jesus was known as a friend to sinners and you're one of his followers, then you need to be known as a friend to sinners. And this is what happens way too often. I hate having these conversations and, and I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, discourage anybody from talking to me, um, but, but this conversation happens way more often than, I, than, I, than I'm comfortable with, where people will say, you know, I, I know you're always telling us to invite people to church, he said, but, but, but people will say, I don't, I don't know any people that aren't Christian. I don't know any people that aren't Christian. They're, all my friends are Christian. And I got a real problem with that. I've got a real problem with that. Like, we're called to be a holy and separate people. Holy not meaning perfect, but holy meaning set apart. And set apart does not mean that we look at the rest of the world as the enemy and we set ourselves apart from them. Set apart means we have been set apart for a mission. We've been set apart for a purpose. You've been chosen. You've been selected to accomplish the, to accomplish the purposes of Christ in your little world, right? That's, that's, that's what set apart is all about. It's not about you going, I'm so good, they're all so bad, I'm staying away from them. Or I'm only hanging out with people who also know Jesus, and so this happens maybe in your family at Thanksgiving. You know, if you're a Christian and, you know, part of your family is Christian, then, then you, you got your family that you can talk to, and, uh, and then you got your black sheep, members of the family, and they're like, uh, you know, they're them, and, 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 and so there's kind of a separation. There's a little bit of a wall there or whatever. Happens at work. Maybe you start congregating and eating lunch with other people who are Christians, and you, you put this wall up between yourself and other people that you work with or at school with students or whatever else. And it's the natural, like humans want to click together. It's not a Christian thing. It's a human thing. Humans want to click together with like-minded people. It's how we naturally go. And so if you've been a Christian, like when you first come to, you know, to, to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, you had lots of non-Christian friends, like in fact, all of them, right? It was just, it was pretty much everybody you knew. And, 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 and so, but then the longer you, if you, if you don't fight against this, this um, natural inclination, the longer you're a person of faith, the smaller your circle of people outside the faith becomes. You just begin to surround yourself with only people of faith. Some of you started coming to church and bringing, making your kids go to youth group because you thought, my kids are going down a bad path and it's got to be the fault of their friends. And so I need to get them around some good Christian teenagers, whatever that means. And, 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 and I need to do that. So I'm going to start sending them to youth group. Now here's the deal. You send your kid to youth group, they're going to find some, some kids there that love God and are passionate about their faith. They're going to find some youth workers that are, are passionate about helping them grow closer to Christ. That, all that's true. All that's going to happen. But if you are just trying to separate your kids from everything. If your every decision you make for your kids is a decision of fear rather than a decision of mission, I got a real problem with that. Now, does that mean that we never cut off certain friendships? No, no, no. Sometimes you have to. 
But I don't think that's necessarily all about faith. I just think it's about who you are. For instance, if you're, if you're an alcoholic, then maybe it's time to drop out of the beer club. Not that there's anything wrong with a beer club, but there is for you because you can't handle it, all right? That's not a criticism. That's just a reality. So, 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 that's, so that's what you do. You know, if, if, you, if you get married and all your friends, all the boys you used to hang out with are constantly trying to get you to cheat on your wife, maybe for the health of your marriage, let's, let's, let's hang out with some different guys. It's not so much about faith. It's just about what, what's good for you personally. Sometimes you have to cut off people for what's best and healthy for you. But if you're cutting off people just because they don't know Jesus, I don't see any calling in Scripture for us to do that at all. At all. In fact, I see the opposite. We're to be light in dark places. That's the calling on our lives. We're to be light in dark places. And so, so that's how we kind of arrange our lives. That's how we do that. We've got this uh, core value statement around here at Living Hope, and it goes like this. I'm put it up on the screen. To reach people no one is reaching. We'll have to do things no one is doing. Like if that's really, if we're really not about just drawing, like stealing sheep from other churches, if we're about going to find the lost sheep, then it, and if we're going to reach people that no one else is reaching, then we have to try to do things that no one else is doing. If you're having trouble fishing, this is what I know. If I'm fishing, and I know there's fish in there, and I'm not catching anything, it's time to change the bait. Pick a different lure. Rub something stinky on that worm. Throw a cheese ball at it. Whatever. Do something. Change the bait, right? And that's how we do And so for us as, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're going to reach people that no one else is reaching, we have to be willing to do things that no one else is doing. This is what motivates our decision-making. This is what motivates our ecclesiology, our way of doing church. This is what motivates all of us. Cause why? Because we're all about glory to God and hope to people. And if we're going to be hope to people who don't have any hope, then we've got to do it in a way that they can hear and that they can see and that, they can, that, that resonates with them. That's what we have to do. If we're going to reach people no one else is reaching, we've got to be willing to do things that no one else is doing, which means you're going to have to reach into the lives of some people that aren't like you. It's easy to to talk to people who are exactly like you. Can anybody be honest enough to raise your hand and just admit that there are certain people, whether it's along economic lines or racial lines or lines of sexuality or age lines or whatever, that there are certain people that you are hesitant to build relationships with? Yeah, it's all of us. It's every single one of us. I'm assuming that the rest of you are liars. It's all of us, right? <laughs> and so, like every one of us have, and I'm not saying we're, you know, that you're a out and right, out and out bigot or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there are people that we have trouble connecting with at times. They're just all, they, it's just true. It's true of every human. It's true. And sometimes we have to be willing to stretch beyond what's comfortable in order to reach people that aren't being reached. So who's not being reached in, in our nation? 
What, where, who, what group of peoples are, do you see the least numbers of in churches across this nation? Young adults, number one. Young adults walking away from church left and right. right. When they graduate from high school, they graduate from church. Walk away. And so we have to, we have to design things in such a way that hopefully some aspect of what we're doing will be attractive to young adults. Um, the LGBTQ community feel like they have no place in the church, or the church has no place for them, I should say. And so if we're going to reach into that community, we have to be willing to build relationships with people that maybe we think differently about life about. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing for us to do. Um, Single people. A lot of times, single people feel very, not so much unwelcome at a church, but very uh, outside the circle. Like, the, like everything is directed towards married people with families or whatever, and they just feel like they're left out of the conversation. We have to change that. So we have to constantly be thinking about how can we reach into the lives of people who are far from God and reach people that no one else is reaching. We have to do things that no one else is doing. So... That's what we try to do. Now, I want to I want to invite uh, my friend Martine up. Martine, come on up. Um, yeah, everybody, welcome, Martine. <clears throat> so, uh, Martine approached me a while back and said, "I'd really like to kind of share my story with the church." And I I thought it was a great idea. We talked for a little while, and and so recently we got together and we were looking at. Uh, you know, when it might fit in. I thought this was the perfect Sunday for it. And, and so um, Martine and uh, Jackie have been coming to church here for uh, four or five years. Yeah. And uh, since back when we were over at Tremont. And I can still remember the uh, first time they walked through the doors. Uh, Mar- Martine looked really nervous. Like, like, I think he was thankful that we were in a gym because the church might have fallen in on him. And, and so... So, like, but he, he was just, you know, he, just sheepish, just nervous, and, and, um, and many of you have gotten to know them over the years and become, you know, grown to love their family, and, and, uh, and I love having them here at Living Hope. And so, um, tell us a little bit about, like, what was your life and your attitude about things um, kind of before Christ came into the picture? Um. Before Christ came into the picture, I was um, I was a very angry person. I was full of hate. I was a drug addict. I was verbally abusive to my family. I heard a bunch of people that I shouldn't have even that, that didn't deserve it. Um, it's been rough. I, I I was homeless for a time in my life. I couldn't keep a job. And it's, it's slowly but surely turning around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you were telling us last service, you know, kind of grew up in, in gangs and there was jail time because of that and just the path of your life was just, even apart from the faith, it was just not a healthy path. Right? Yeah, it was not. Um, yeah, I, I was heavily involved with gangs. Um, been in, been to prison. I've been in seven different prisons in California, three different county jails. From an, from an array of things. Yeah. Um, the the picture you guys get on movies uh, of gang members, not just the tattoos, the the actions, what they do. I, I did all of it. Yeah. It's it's, uh, it's not good. So, what, what brought you to church, and what was that experience like for you when you started, like, entertaining the idea of, of uh, coming to Living Hope? I started entertaining the idea of church in general um, because I thought I had everything under control. Uh, I'm a control freak, and everything I was doing ended me back to square one. And I knew that something needed to change, and I, I didn't have the answer for it. So um, started going to church. Um, Living Hope was the church we came to as soon as we came to Dixon. And the overwhelming love and appreciation and just embrace that our family received as a whole and as individuals without any prejudgment and it, it, it was just, um, it was, it, it, it left me speechless because I had been to other churches and uh, I, I was raised Catholic and um, I have a relationship now with God, not just, it's not just a religion. Mm. That's good, man. That's good. Um, who were, like, what were some specific things that happened, some specific people that really helped you feel like there was a place for you here? Um, definitely the Lockwood family. Phil, Phil, but when Phil gave his testimony four years ago at Tremont, um, it was out of the blue. And it, that touched me to see somebody that I would have no idea had even been in that situation to, to be where, he at, where he's at today. I, I wanted that. Yeah, and um, <laughs> the Escobars as well. Um, Manny, when I texted Manny, I found his number on the website. I texted Manny, and he was unsure of who, who he was going to go meet up and talk to. Um, he 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 admitted later on that he was trying to push me off to another, I think, another elder. <laughs> We talked for about one, one to two hours, and we we just been in communion. They've they've been very loving, and um, he's been there for me a couple of times, and and uh, groups, um, all the guys from from men's group, and um, Thursday night Bible studies as well. Um, everybody in general has just been a huge part in my faith and changing my life around. What does that What does that look like? Like, how has 
How has your life changed? How have your attitudes about life changed since you've you know, been living with Christ? I have a conscience. I actually feel bad when I do things I shouldn't be doing. I, I, before I act, I, I, I think now. And uh, life's just good right now. Mm, that's good, man. That's good. Um, Martin shared with me before that, you know, there, even still, a lot of times he feels... Um, just by people in society, um, kind of prejudged, either because of his appearance or his tattoos or, or whatever else. Um, and like, it, for those people in the room that maybe have a tendency to prejudge people on their appearance, uh, like what, what would you say to them? I, I encourage everybody not to judge a book by its cover. Um, you don't know what that person may be going through, what they went through, or what they're thinking. Um, a simple hello and a smile will do. Mm. Um, that's, that, that's our calling. It's just be accepting and uh, open-minded. Yeah, that's good. I love that you guys are a part of our church and uh, just really love your family. Um, I'll kind of give you the last word. Anything else you want to say, go ahead. Yeah, if I could uh, get Jackie to come up here, please. She's been a huge Jackie. part of my faith. Um, She's been a huge part of my faith. Um, she's, she's forgiven me. She's been compassionate, loving, faithful. And you just been there for me. Yeah. Too. You know, now, now that I have our king in my life, I need my queen. sit together now. That's fine. That's good. Thank you, Martin, for sharing, and congratulations to both of you. We're happy for you guys. Um, guys, you... <laughs> as a church, you only get to see real life change if you walk through people when they're not ready to change. Let that sink in for a second. We want them to change immediately. And we only as a church get to see genuine life change if you're willing to walk through them when they're not ready to change. And um, like we're not the Holy Spirit and we're not God. We don't control the timing on any of that. Our job is just to make the introduction and trust the Holy Spirit to work it out as the Holy Spirit's going to work it out. And um, so... That's why I love this church so much. 
I love this church so much because you guys get it. And um, there will be people who criticize the way we choose to do things. And I really don't care. Because we're on a mission from Gad. <laughs> we're on a mission. We're on that. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> um, we are on a mission. And um, our mission is more important than our reputation. Our mission is more important than our reputation. And so get outside your comfort zone. Reach into the lives of people who are far from God. It's going to get messy. It's going to be ugly. There's going to be conversations and, and painful circumstances that happen as you help them along that path. But we're all about glory to God and hope to people. And if we have the hope that people need, then we need to be out there introducing people to that hope. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Pray this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for your word to us today. And we thank you that, uh, that you have never given up on us, that you're the God of second chances. And so we have to be the people of second chances. And so help us to offer the hope that, you, that we have in you in the same way that someone down the road for, uh, from us offered it to us. And um, we want to live out this mission in a way that brings you glory and that builds your kingdom. And so we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. God, if there's anybody in the room here today that, that is far from you, questioning whether or not there's a place at your table. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just speak to their heart right now and let them know that there is always a place for them at your table. Uh, no matter what they've done, no matter who they are, no matter what they did last night, God, there's a place for them at your table. And so just speak to their hearts right now. We pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.